take two middle-aged men who happen to be cousins and share a common codependency on movies, put them in a room, and tell them to talk about anything film-related. The result? An existential exposition of cinematic synergy we call The Finleys on Film. We're on already. Work your way up. You ready? No, no problem. So I I, uh, ran into um, Paul Gilmore recently. Uh, who's a, mm-hmm. uh, an avid listener of this podcast, and he complimented um, you and I, Tom. He's, he's, he's actually an Iron Lung victim. He, he can't escape the ear funk. Well, that's it. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. Um, Captive he, audience, very important for... <laughs> he's clearly a fan of mediocrity. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so he complimented you and I, Tom, on Oof. a recent episode, uh, Bookworms, mm. in which we took uh, uh. time to look at two films that... Were adaptations of books, books that we both that you and I both had real good opinions about, or some nice thoughts about. Yeah, and Paul said, "Hey, idea. that was that was a great episode." Mm, and nice. I said, "They're all great episodes." Mm-hmm. And Paul said, yeah. uh-huh. "So to some degree, I feel like he's the perfect person to be." All right, I like that. Our he's next guest on the podcast. Excellent. He's and, honest in the face of mediocrity. I enjoy that. And he's on our podcast right Excellent. now. In fact, we have as our guest for this episode a uh, great professor of history, Paul Gilmore. Paul Gilmore. Welcome, Paul. Hey. All right. How are you doing? <laughs> a fan of mediocrity. Fan I ta- of I've, mediocrity. I've, sure. I've taken your class, so he is indeed a professor. Hello, professor. Very uh, stand and deliver. Uh, I feel like I had Ghanis in his class. Yes. I had Ghanis in his class. Yeah, wow. you're in our class now, Paul. All right. Sit down well. shut up. But talk <laughs> class of 1984. <laughs> Somebody get a gun. Wow, what a reference. <laughs> what a great movie. You ever seen that movie, Paul? Eight, 1984? Class, no, cl- no, no, no. The no, class no, no, of 1984. No, 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 no. no I've never class seen that. Of 1984. Oh, no. So, no. So, so good. 1984 so good. itself is a, is a study in... Um, Bad idea to interpret something too early. The earliest version was 1956 with Edmund O'Brien, which means that they couldn't really talk about sex or violence. Which is a problem in 1984. Or, well, it's 1984. Oh, right. The John Hurt version in, I think, 1984 itself is pretty pretty fucking brilliant. (laughs) But that's not what we're talking about tonight. Yeah, well, it's really wonderful that you did bring that up, though, however. Wow, it's out just, just wallowing. Slur your way in, my friend. You slur your way out. <laughs> you slurry your way in. In a, in a slurry. Okay, so. Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. on fire, everyone. On fuego, my friend. Okay. On fuego. So we're talking about, um, this is our Los Angeles episode, mm-hmm. right? City of Angels, right? Yep. And yep. so we chose two films that we thought kind of represented, I don't know, the, like the quality, spiritual like, landscape of Los Angeles. Go it's ahead. Like, it's, as though, it's, as though, it's one of those, it's the, the movies are, were picked because L.A. is that third character in the movie. Which is something we say way too often. I guess we kind of do, but it is, but right? it is true. That, that house is, that is, a, is a third character, yeah, we often say. But it does happen, and in All this right. case, I, I, I think we picked well. That's fair enough. Now, what is your, let's start with Paul, actually. Um, what's your experience with Los Angeles itself? Have you lived in the area? I lived there for a month, years and years ago. I met my wife there. Mm. Wait. I saw a... You mean in the city itself? In the city, yeah. It okay. was... Uh, I lived... Uh, I, I walked everywhere, though. Yeah. Which made me love L.A. Do you uh, love L.A.? I do as a place to walk. 
Um, I mean, just gorgeous. Is this, uh, is this 1920s neighborhoods? Yeah. I, well, I mean, it's not ironic. Is well, this, I mean, Paul's right for in a second because I think that you, hmm. I mean, you and I have admitted as much when we did the New York and the San Francisco episode. There's a tendency for people who love those cities to dismiss Los. Oh, Los Angeles cultural sure, sure. wasteland. And in fact, <coughs> if you walk around sections of Burbank and Glendale and and you know lots of areas are really really cool. The problem is that it's it's gone from a, a city that was kind of a walking city or like a city full of walking villages to That's a place it. where mm-hmm. no one really has the opportunity unless you're a weirdo like Paul. And Paul is our favorite weirdo <laughs> yeah, to Paul actually sort of purposely walk, right? Everybody, everybody moved there and destroyed what they moved there for. That's kind of the problem. What do you mean? Well, okay. Well, the, the highways had to move them around. I right. Mean, you know, they just right. they just turned it into one giant strip mall. Right, right. Yeah, actually, Raymond Chandler did a great had a great movie, a great book. He talked about the how about the change of uh, of Los Angeles over from what it had been, which is like basically like you're saying that cluster of small villages mm-hmm. into this sort of mega sprawl and all the, the loss of character that went along with it. Um, well, okay, but I mean the character's still there. It's to be had, but isn't it in sort of like nostalgic enclaves? I, I think, well, the, yeah, uh, uh, I mean, I was right near La Brea Tar Pit, as mm-hmm. I recall, mm-hmm. um, just a few few blocks away. Mm-hmm. Well, not, uh, well, and then I was up, I remember going up to Melrose Avenue and realizing that at the age of 28, I was too old to be walking down the street. <laughs> <laughs> All the guys had mesh shirts on, There's, uh, which was impressive. God. You don't wear a mesh shirt, Paul? I do not. <laughs> Come on. You'd rock well, that shit out of a mesh shirt, man. <laughs> like a, mes- a mesh half shirt, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think exactly. for me, if you had a mesh half. shirt for me, it would come out as a half shirt, certainly. Any shirt comes out of a half shirt for you, Tom. Yeah, I'd, I'd look like one of the heroes from one of the movies we're talking about today. Well, I mean, that's the thing about Los Angeles is you can, you can piss all over it all you want, but my wife, I lived down there a couple of times. Well, I didn't, actually. I lived uh, in, in Long, Long Beach, Beach right out of high school for mm-hmm. a little while. Um, and that's sort of a mixed LA bag until Snoop Dogg comes along. And then I had a, uh, um, full-time job at College of the Canyons in Santa Clarita, which is the, the sixth safest city in the United States, <laughs> um, just north of the real LA traffic. So I don't know that I had any of those experiences, but I had access to them. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I had five years in Laguna Beach, but that's Orange County. Well, that's the thing, right? But Los Angeles, I mean, I yes, Orange County is cheating, but Los Angeles isn't really... Until recently, until the hipsters came along, and God bless them, sort of um, repurposed, if you will, downtown Los Angeles. Los Angeles really wasn't like a city; it no. was like place, like this county, if you will, Hollywood, and, and a bunch of and Hollywood or this or Ingle, you know. Ingle. Yeah, no one else says, <laughs> you know, about their city, the city, and what they really mean is somewhere in that county. Right. I don't think anywhere else in the United yeah. States. So it has that sort of like I don't know, misguided quality to it or something. It's a massive place, but I mean, the point, anyway. Enormous, yeah. But the point is, it's like it's easy to shit on, but in fact, it has a lot of qualities, qualities and charm yeah. to it. Right? Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Some of the things I like about San Diego, I like more about what I found in L.A. Okay. Some of the architecture, the old Spanish architecture, and things like that. There's some really pretty. There's some pretty sort of residential housing to be had. Yeah. Or to be seen. I don't know about head anymore, but yeah. Yeah, LA's got its own LA has its own qualities as well. And it's got some cool now now it's now the hipsters have taken over and there's there's like a foodie culture in Los Angeles. Well that's the thing. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. All right. So so that's what we're interested in, Paul. I mean we wanna we wanna um sort of like mine um Paul Gilmore, Professor Paul Gilmore, uh his heart in terms hi-ho, of these films. Hi ho. <laughs> it's off to Paul we go. Uh, but we also wanna um sort of tap his um knowledge as a history teacher. Sure. He has a lot to say about. 
All right. Mm-hmm. All right. So we start with 1949's Chris, Chris Cross. Cross. So make a jump. Make Bert a jump. I'll beat you to the, to the joke. Mm-hmm. With Burt Lancaster. Let me get it. What do you mean? This is um, a film that is... I don't know. It, it's noir. It's one of my favorite noir, it's, and yet in, yeah. s- in some ways it, it is noir, and then it sort of pulls back and refuses to be noir at other times. Mm-hmm. But it definitely is a film about Los Angeles in the background at all times, right? Like you, you were, you were, you were making the comment during while we were watching just a few minutes ago yep. that everywhere you know, and most in any scene with like a background shot pretty much has the. What, what do you call that? The downtown, the city hall, the city the hall. hall of justice, the big, old, no, be, yeah. the big city hall tower off in the yeah, background yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, famous. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, that's it. I mean, you were Polly. saying that. Well, it was a nasty neighborhood there around there. I mean, Bunker Hill was mm-hmm. an Angel's Flight. Um, I mean, this is where the movie was set. The mm-hmm. tunnels. Um, those are just north of downtown. Koreatown, isn't that where those uh, where those trains it's, go up the it, hill like that? It's getting close, um, okay. but it's uh, they moved Angel's Flight. But but yeah, this was the kind of seedy section of of town, and and within a few years, it's going to be bulldozed. Well, whoever the location right. person was was a genius because it had that quality. That um, have you ever seen Paul 1947's um, Dark Passage? Oh yeah, and yeah. it's got the same the same sort of like location choices, right? Like um, weird staircases and 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 weird sort of like temporary overpasses right. and mm-hmm. like you know an unusual sort of Los Angeles for sure, right? Not the Los Angeles you're used to seeing the sunny. Yeah, that's for know, sure. Right, right, right. So mm-hmm. so we have a we have a um, a young ish, um, well very young actually, Burt Lancaster. Oh. He started in '46 in the Killers, a right? Fella. Yeah. So this is three years later. Mm-hmm. Um, always, uh, and he had been famously um, a trapeze artist and a. a sort of um, yeah. a, um, a, a gymnast. A, yeah, mm-hmm. a gymnast. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and he wears some fucking great clothes. Dude, <laughs> what <laughs> the hell? That one thing looked like a onesie for the longest time. I thought oh, it was like I a love full, the belt like on a that full coat. jumpsuit or something. Yeah, it just turned out Checkered to be a belted coat. coat. Yeah. Well, everyone, of course, is, amazing. Is, is, all the men are wearing their pants just be- below their nipples, the tits, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which is why the pants are pleated. I imagine that's where the testes rest, right? <laughs> the, the pleated area of the pants. <laughs> so you got to keep them, you got to keep them separated and parted, particularly in that Southern, that Southern California weather. Oh, there's right? the voice of experience. <laughs> Otherwise, and they just stick to your leg like like you know, like a fruit roll up or something. It's These better. are not yeah. problems that I have. <laughs> oh, thank you, Tommy. Mm-hmm. So, so Burt Lancaster's come back to um, to Los Angeles after Paul, come back. <laughs> after roaming for a couple of years or something to get a bad marriage out of his system. Oh yeah, but That's it's good. clear from the but beginning that it's not really out of his system. Nah, she's a mean mistreater, and she's all the way in on him. Well, we don't know at first that she's a mean mistreater. We just know that he's back in town, and he he knows that he's fooling himself. Yeah. Right. He's go- so he's going back to the old haunts, but we. It's clear shortly into the film. Well, actually, wait a minute. It's a frame film. It's a frame flashback film. It's not a frame film, but it's a it's a flashback film because it begins with him talking about um, him being in the middle of a um, an armored uh, car run. He's working in an armored car. And I'm not right. saying this very well. He's a driver in an armored car. And, right. And something's about to happen. Something's weird. And so he talks about... I mean, look, it's classically started to be jumping all over the place. It's a classic noir, like, over um, exposition. Right, mm, yeah, I'm driving course, this right. car. I remember the time I wasn't driving this car, and it was the time I returned to Los Angeles with this in my right. heart. Right, so it's it's like it's, it's, a, it's a heavy flashback film, heavy, heavy feeding of exposition to the audience. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but he he, what's exposed early on in the film is that he's back in town, and he's back in town for more of Mean Anna, his ex-wife, mm, mm, lovely ex-wife. Did you think so? She's kind of, I think yeah, yeah, beautiful. Paul, yeah, certainly. I was yeah. telling Mary, would kick her out of bed for eating crackers. You know what I mean? Sure. Unless it was Crackers the dog. And then we'd eat your fucking hands off of him. 
<laughs> she was pretty. Yeah, she yeah was okay. Pretty. So we can agree that she's a, a pretty but I do mean stupid lady. things for that. <laughs> I'm a boy. We've seen. And you've seen. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know why you're feeling exclusive with this one, buddy. I just felt like pointing it out for uh, you first. Well played. Yeah, all right. For so moment one, though, she's cold. She I mean, is a cold. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean the, the the actually almost everybody in the place is cold. I mean, the whole the place, town. You mean the, the neighborhood? Whole town, the whole yeah. neighborhood. The, yeah. the, the, right. The whole world there is kind of cold. And well, good old Burt Lancaster and his and his watery eyes. You know, he just doesn't right. belong. Everybody else is very antiseptic. Yeah. Well, it's uh, generational though, well isn't it? Because for, except with one exception, later on, the sort of weird minor character who's like a professor of crime or something like that. Um, it's the older people who sort of believe in the goodness of the world that you can move on. And you can do the honest thing, and the, right. the biggest problem in their lives at the at the um, the place where he works, the armored car division, um, is that uh, the wife spending too much on one grocery store versus another grocery store, and yep. she doesn't use the coupons. Right? It's like, well. <laughs> Women go figure, you know, they, they do those things, right? Well, I have to say, right. there, um, this might be way too trivial, but that's a uh, you know, new, new supermarket coming in, yeah, go ahead, yeah, yeah. And oh, it's yeah. the to me, at least, that's the coldness of the city a completely self service supermarket, it's cheaper prices, no delivery, no, mm-hmm. no human connection. Yeah. This was they use it to great effect, a huge uh, about, change yeah. in American culture about three years point. earlier yeah. in double indemnity, double indemnity. yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. The grocery store meeting, it's a place where you can be among people but anonymous, yeah, which right. is. Totally the opposite of what a store is supposed to be. Oh, Paul, old soul, you. What if you're just in the third world and that's just how it happens to be there? Yeah, just because we didn't have refrigeration forever. <laughs> okay, so doesn't mean it's better, Paul. So, so really, what's interesting is, about this mean it is. about the story, which is a which is a um, a crime story. It's a caper story. Mm-hmm. On, on the one hand, but the caper doesn't really um, come up for a long time in the film. The film is really about the tension, to to that, yeah. the tension between Lancaster and his ex-wife, who is now hanging out, sort of, with her new beau-ish, which is Dundee. This guy Dundee, who's a sort of slim. ridiculous, a slim Dundee, slim he's a, Dundee, a weaselly sort of local criminal, right? Right? Not an actor. I, I didn't recognize the actor. I don't know if I've ever, I don't think I would ever seen him in anything. I've else. seen him somewhere, but I couldn't. Uh, okay, I I couldn't if him. I did, I couldn't place him. Right, and the only sort of go between for Lancaster and sort of slipping into this world, which we're going to discuss in a minute, is uh, twofold. It's this old friend of his who's a cop, of course, and he's a cop of his conscience, really. I mean, his mother mm-hmm. knows better, but who's going to you know pay attention to old yeah, mother who doesn't right. want you back with such and such a girl, right? Mm-hmm. And but this old this cop, this old friend who's like you know the angel on a shoulder don't do it steve don't you know go don't go back into that bar don't go right. back into that place so don't and she's and, nothing but trouble steve and the local um drunk like tramp i guess who's at the end of the bar and she sort of has this like like headway into his conscious or his better thinking or something like right, that but it's right. like, you know it's a losing battle we know it's she's a losing the battle. woman he could fix if he ever wanted to it's the story it's yeah. a it's a short story about a rap but kind of true but he shuts but, her up yeah, yeah but he shuts her up there's a lot of, by the way, like um, mock backhand toward women in this film. Like, yeah, shut it. Why don't you? Right. Mouth. Followed by a woman who's like, oh, Steve. Or like fill in the name. Like, I, I, you care. I can't help but I love him. Yeah. Oh, boy. He's sad. Life's a lot like that, isn't it, guys? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it isn't that fact. Uh-huh. Yeah, so so I mean, it's well, it's all about the sort of guy doing something he shouldn't be doing, which is getting involved with this woman. And I think it's 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 two films in that sense, right? Two thirds mm-hmm. of it is that story, which by itself is kind of interesting, right? The twist. The, go ahead. That's the more interesting part to me, and the problem I have with it, I suppose, is that uh, <laughs> is that um, a lot of the the setup doesn't actually. Um, 
happen on the screen. So this the, is the way the setup for the caper or the the, the setup for well, um, the the girl is told to hit the road. She's yeah. told to to get out of town or you'll be sent to Tehachapi. Right by the right? by the ex friend the old friend cop. But none right. of the, we never see any of these scenes. We just sort of know that they happen. Um, right. Well, I don't. know. Well, I mean, actually, I I yes, as a technicality of, of storytelling, I agree with you. But once in a while, Tom and I have talked about this. Sometimes, like. That's the old advice is like, hey, we need that exposition, we need that development, we need that part of the tension. But sometimes I wonder if you can just be told something and just accept it. In a way, they're saying like, just accept this, yeah. accept these three things that happen, and right. if you do, you're fine. And I kind of am willing to go with it. It's a good scene. She's playing the piano, right? And there's there's that other element it. too. Where yeah. the, there's other element too. It's certainly in this movie where it really comes out where like it doesn't pay to look too hard into this movie. Like, if you start squinting into this fucking thing, it doesn't make any sense. Well, that's not high praise, though. I think you can praise it highly without... Well, a lot of movies are like that, though, and this is one of those ones. It's where it doesn't pay to look at it too deep. If you let it go, like Dark Passage, nope. it's a good, entertaining piece of movie. But I don't sure, think if you it's start, about... If you start trying to unleash logic on this thing, it falls apart. But I think it's, it's not about overlooking a fault. I think it's a, like <coughs> you can intentionally make that move. Like, who gives a shit? Like, oh, audiences don't care. We'll just tell think, you that this happened, and that's it. I think that's one of those things that doesn't get, like, sometimes there's a good movie or a good TV show, and it's, you know, it's crime fantasy is what it is. In that case, this is what this is. Okay. I'd say Breaking Bad is that. It's crime fantasy. It's 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 a lot of a lot of things that simply logically don't follow are happening in this thing, but it makes for a hell of a, hell of a story. Okay. Happens. Mm. Sure. Polly? Well... I, 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 most of it was just pretty unbelievable to me, even even with that that trying to sort of mm. you know pretend yeah. um, suspension of disbelief. The, I, the I, very I, idea that that he would he would choose the caper, um, you know, well, but, right, in that but that's, moment, that's part of the plot, right? Because Dundee is out of town, mm -hmm. and she, by the way, in the meantime, has mysteriously for some reason married Dundee. Well, because she's a bad. Apples, why? Right. She was going to be sent to Tehachapi. Well, there's that, right? <laughs> Paul. <laughs> Such sarcasm from a history teacher. <laughs> oh, Polly. So, so she's carousing, obviously, with Lancaster at his home. Mm -hmm. He walks downstairs. It's this great noirish scene where it's like, come on, join us. And there's a group of, of thugs, right. including Dundee in his living room, waiting for him. Mm -hmm. Dundee knows what's up. And so in order to fig like, figure his way out of this and figure Anna's way out of this, he has to immediately say, she came over to talk to me about a caper that, she that I want to get you involved in. Right. Like, on the spot. Well, and then later Wait, on... Wait, hold on, Paul. I want yeah, hold you're on. giving us looks, but people can't but see the, the annoyed looks you're giving. It's, it's later on, it's implied that that was the setup from the beginning. Well, That's why you said it falls off the logic truck in a hard way here. Wait, like wait, they, like, hmm? it's implied by he Lancaster was, because no, not by him, but by but by was it her by Anna and also by by Slim that the, the half the setup was them getting him involved with it and using Anna to do no, that. no. Lancaster suspects that, but he suspects that in the mo his most desperate moment of feeling betrayed by her not wanting him. So that's not like a, a an exposition of the film. She's, he's just sort of grasping at straws. You were you were you had this in mind the whole time, didn't you? Mm -hmm. Anyway, I think she did. Uh, well. I mean, we'll never know. Nah. Let's put it that Fancy way. That's her problem. She knows what she wants. Mm -hmm. That is. Oof. Paul Gilmore says that's what that. women's problem. Okay, yeah. fine. We're going wow. on record as, wow, I don't approve <laughs> okay, of that, Paul. Okay, Paul. Gee. I respect women, but. I'm, I'm merely quoting a line uh, in the film, if you recall. Huh. Fair enough. Wow. All right, so basically the rest is about, like, how does how does Lancaster now, he has to follow through with this um, 
uh, bank caper as a guy on the inside who mm-hmm. works for the armored car company. Um, his loyalty is sort of split because he ha- he the guy who got him the job is this old guy pops pops his pal. Um, you know, yeah. he's the honest guy, and it's mm-hmm. like you know the lovable old guy, the lovable yeah. That's what I strive yeah. to be at work. And then the, also the <laughs> the aforementioned sort of like somehow this is a common trope in these movies too. It's happened in like at least one of the movies we've reviewed, but we've talked about, and that's like the old guy who's like brilliant and somehow is because he has a like a liquor problem or something is the guy who helps maneuver jobs like this. Like the professor. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he's in this little slummy apartment in the middle of nowhere. Because he takes to drink. That's yeah. why. Yeah. So, he's uh, got credit at the credit at the liquor store John for a month. Barleycorn has oh, it yeah. in his grip. Yeah. Okay. So and so the rest of it is just basically does the caper come off? What are mm-hmm. the, what's the consequence of it coming off or not coming off? Where does their relationship go? Does she go with Dundee or Burt Lancaster? Mm-hmm. Um, it has one of my favorite camera shots of all time. But there are a lot of interesting camera shots. Right. We did a, an episode on Scorsese um, that's going to be released in, in a bit. We, we recorded this um, just a few weeks ago, and mm-hmm. and I, I mentioned the same sort of thing. Like there's a, a Diane Arbus sense of like um, hallway squared off sort of shots, and 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 the direction right. of this film has a lot of like really intentional like camera work tracking shots oh, yeah. um composition really cool framing yeah, yeah very very cool framing in the film mm-hmm. absolutely yeah so i like it i yeah. give it a thumbs up i understand what, what both of you are saying it's a flawed uh, film for I, sure i wasn't saying it was uh, i wasn't even calling that necessarily a fly it's just that i thought a lot of movies don't have that they don't stretch real well over the logic rack well i this think this is one I of those movies more, which isn't necessarily a downside noir movies do noir movies do i would say this I, I mean i love i love the maltese falcon it's one of the great you know, it belongs yeah. to the AFI yeah, 100. What are, you, what are you talking about, Joe? But it does have the same type of flaws. It's, in it. it's magical. It's the best story ever told. And it also... <laughs> and it's and it hangs together flawless. perfectly. Well, it also... Flawless. Flawless. <laughs> have your eyes. The dingus. Sorry. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there's another film, The the, the Big Sleep, and, and from 46. Oh, right. And, and classically, Chandler. The Big Sleep, after they screened it, everyone like turned to everyone and said, do you know what that movie was about? Right. And, and ultimately, like no one really cares well, because it's day, also like, the, the tonality of the movie. To this day, the Chandler has no idea who did one of the <laughs> yeah, so he never figured that out. That wasn't part of his figuring it out for his own book. In a weird way, and I guess I, I'm I'm sort of um, giving Noir too much, you know, leeway here. But Noir uh, almost has built to me for me the expectation that there are just some things that I accept by virtue of its tone right, rather okay. than anything else. Sure. The problem I have, I guess, is uh, right, Lancaster boy. himself. Go ahead. I, I'm I just love Talk him right. in. Everything else, yep. um, and this one, I just, I, I just don't, I don't feel it. I kept on thinking William Shatner, really? which is, which might not be. Maybe that's an exaggeration. <laughs> okay, all right. Wow, have you ever seen The Rainmaker? <laughs> oh my goodness! No, but it was, it was always this kind of, <laughs> no. well, the the Lancaster overacting. That, right. that, well, yeah, his that big, happens. his big yeah. teeth, and yeah, 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 yeah. Are, when he wants those teeth are big as fuck, man. They, they are, are yeah, the Nutcracker's yeah. teeth for sure. Sure. <laughs> uh, wow. Uh, and by the way, the okay. darkness of the ending. Well, I don't know. Do we talk about the ending? No, 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 no. no, 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 no. But, but you can talk it. about the darkness or lightness or whatever you want. Like, well, uh, yeah, that ends. Uh, well, the just just the idea that sirens would be in the background at a certain point uh-huh. you know, kind of defeat it. That's a lot of that is a trope also. Whether it's like yeah. experiment in terror or something else, it's sort of like Actually, that ending where it's like or sleuth. We did sleuth a few weeks ago. Right. Right. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, by the way, side note, um, because we're going to move on to, to a film that doesn't have Burt Lancaster in it, um, <laughs> you, you mentioned liking him a lot. Uh, are there a couple of favorites that you would um, mention? Yeah, yeah, please. You know, The Train. 
Oh, the train. Um, Frankenheimer. Yeah, that one. That one really uh, gets me. Um, uh, I don't. But how believable is it, Paul? Elmer Gantry. (laughs) Oh, yes. Elmer Gantry is a terrible adaptation. But if you if you don't it's read the such, book, it's yeah. a good movie for it's sure. It's a great standalone movie if you have never seen if you've never read the book. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there's sure. a for great sure. great oh. one which I'm uh, Brutal Force, I think it was Brute Force. Brute Force. Brute by Force. Jules yeah. Dussan, yeah. early um, yeah. Jessica Tandy's husband, uh, uh, Cronin, um, uh, Hugh Cronin. Hugh Cronin. Yeah, is a brute is the brute in uh, Brute Force. And, and what a force of brutality. Okay, I, don't, I guess we got all the words in there. Yeah, I guess we got to really <laughs> beat the shit out of that one. There. Okay, and so there are so many films we could choose uh, for in LA, yeah. and maybe we'll come okay, back and well, do another go, LA. So let's, let's back this up. So your favorite, The Train. What's yours, Joe? Oh, of Lancaster. Lancaster. I think I share it with you. It's probably Sweet Smell of Success. Sweet Smell of Success. Oh no, well, Sweet Smell of Success is one of my is up. my favorite movie. I think Elmer Gantry is my favorite Burt Lancaster movie. I see what you're saying because Sweet Smell of Success. A lot of it depends on on Tony. Curtis. So many Tony things Curtis. coming in. There's so many elements. There's the music. There's the tone. There's the feeling. So much depends upon a red wheelbarrow. Wow, yeah. Yep. yep, yep. Glazed uh, in white. Seven days in May. Dick. Oh my god. Seven days in May. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, that's that's well, that's half of that's more like a Kirk that's actually more a Kirk Douglas movie than there, it is. You're right. There's some Bert. movies I like, it's again like there's one that I like that's a terrible movie from seventy three called Scorpio. I love it. But I just enjoy that's it. I saw that in the fucking drive in with my wow. mom. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> right. Ooh. Back yeah. when she was back when she was human. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's a long story. <laughs> Everything comes out. Oh. All right, so let's get let's move on because I was going to oh, say that we could we could have chosen we dare so many films, and we maybe we'll do another LA episode. Right, it's like yeah. it's what like movies um, evoke LA the, of all movies. Made well, in Hollywood, no, of course, you know, of course, so many are made there, but it, it spends so much time with LA in the background and yeah. the architecture and all this. Stuff. I think The Big Sleep is one. Mm-hmm. Um, you LA know, plays itself is a good documentary on LA. Really? In movies. Yeah. Never heard of it. It's a sort of documentary essay by the guy. I forget mm. the guy's name. He did it. L.A. Plays Itself. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Check it out. All right. It plays its own character. In yeah, yeah, yeah. We get it. Oh, we, we get it. We follow we, you. We, yeah, we're not... <laughs> We're not students in your class, Paul. <laughs> we're, not, we're not stupefied by the concept you're, you're it's floating like the here. It's like the third character and the first Damn and second you. character. <laughs> Damn you! And by uh, documentary, you mean it's like um, it's like when the, yeah, it's okay. a Michael Moore thing. So okay. we're talking 1974 is Chinatown. Oh yes, right. And All with right. a relatively young, I mean, you know, um, mm-hmm. uh, Jack Nicholson. Oh, well, it's had, a baby Jack Nicholson. I mean, he'd done Easy Rider. He'd yeah. done The Last Detail, Five Easy Pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is still like. Pre Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah, um, we're talking. Yeah, I mean the guy. He could. He could actually part his hair back then. He could still part his hair in 1974. <laughs> and his nose, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I was just about to go there. Oh my god, you're too quick. Well, this Even is one. Bro. Now, this is That's one that said. that oh wait people love on many levels. But I want to bring in um, a man who's not only a, a history professor, but who's taught. Numerous courses on the history of water in California, Mr. Paul Gilmore. That's right, yeah. And so Chinatown becomes the story we tell, and and historians love to tell the story about how it's not true. How it's not accurate. Which is absurd, I mean. Absurd or irrelevant? What are you saying? Well, absurd because irrelevant. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, There's there's even a book called Beyond Chinatown, and I swear uh, uh, the guy thinks that, that uh, Chinatown itself is supposed to be some sort of literal mm. uh, you know, really? page by page history of you know it, it it didn't really happen in the 1930s it happened in 1913 so therefore 
uh, right. it's a it's you know the movie's oh, a lie. Yeah. But, yeah. but, yeah. but, but, but help me out here because I've taken your class and there are qualities of this movie that actually did happen. I mean, it's there is oh. there are like severe serious self you know reflections of the people from 1913 into the 1940s. Hollis Mulray is William Mulholland. Mulholland. So, I mean, I mean right, even right. the names are right. are close. All right, so back it up. So I'm gonna, I'm going to throw this one to Paul to sort of take the lead without giving any third act revelations here. Can you walk us through <coughs> the, the the basic sort of premise of storyline? The, the the basics of the storyline. Well, uh, I, I I guess it would it would be your your almost Humphrey Bogart style uh, setup. Uh, a woman comes to uh, uh, our our private detective with a problem, and in investigating the problem of her husband uh, uh, cheating on her, uh, he discovers this larger story of of a uh, political conspiracy to. Uh, to steal the water of one valley and deliver it to L.A. Right. Because the husband that she speaks of is the water commissioner. He's yeah. He's the he's the Hollis Mulray, the the, the William Mulholland character. Uh, but the woman who then what's very um, sort of like Maltese Falconish of it is that the woman who comes to hire him to is spy not, on him is actually that, not his is, wife. Is somebody exactly. else. She's not Bridget O'Shaughnessy. Uh, or rather, yeah. <laughs> or 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 right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Well, beyond that, uh, um, she he discovers that uh, that he's been he's been sort of set up to do this uh, to to expose this Hollis Mulray, and he wants to find out why, and then he figures out that the real uh, Miss Mulray uh, is Faye Dunaway. Um, who uh, steps in? He actually says that in the movie. He's like, "Hey, yeah, you're says, Faye, hey, Dunaway. Faye Dunaway. <laughs> Are you Faye Dunaway? Wow. Uh, yeah. Um, what, I got a script. You want to read this? Besides Miss Mul, Mrs. Mulray. What? What is her name? What? I, I forget her name. All I of a sudden, I actually don't remember. With an e. I think it's. E. I want to say it's Eva, but I could be wrong. Uh, it's matter. Ida. Ida is the the woman who, who pretends. I, to I, be don't Mrs. We're doing I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it builds and builds. I mean, it's one of those things where you you just don't know uh, who is who for the longest well, time. The uh, Hollis Mulray's uh, supposed uh, affair isn't an affair. Right. Uh, the wife isn't the wife. The husband isn't the husband. The father is. And John yeah, Houston's in there somewhere as yeah. as someone who used to be a partner. Right. Yeah. John Houston as an actor. Right. As an actor. Directed yeah. by. Roman Polanski, Roman Ra- Polanski, Raper Polanski, there. Yes, and written by Robert Town. That's which, that, Robert Town, right? Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the the thing. Here. Well, you know, it was really, it was interesting. I, I I've I've seen this movie once before. I rewatched it for the for this episode, and I did a little bit a little bit of background study and. Um, and, I, and I watched this little documentary on why it's the, maybe the best screenplay ever written. That's a, every, that's a very that and Casablanca are yeah. both sort of mentioned a lot. And, yeah. and, and watching you know walking through the logic of what this documentary stated, it's hard to argue with it because it is true. Because it starts off being one thing, starts being another thing. The red herrings come fast and furious. Right. Nothing is wasted as far as those red herrings, and they all you eventually reach the conclusion. But you could have reached it earlier had you been paying attention in different way. I mean, it's just the, it is re- amazingly well. Like written. Easter eggs, you mean, or, or yeah, well, yeah, yeah, like like little things that are that are that are in there, like the you know, the, the um, I can't think of a good example of it right now, but it's like, but it starts off being one thing, which is my husband's cheating on me. Right. It's not that, but it, by the end of the movie, it's nothing about that at all. It's about a sordid little family, right. It's a sordid, fucked up family. That's all it really ever was. Well, most good stories ultimately exactly. turn out to be about. Um, 
just the human condition. And right? that brings it right back to L.A. because it's L.A. Right. that's the sordid family here. That's why know, it's the, Chinatown. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's the, Expand on that, please. Well, the, the idea of uh, this kind of incestuous relationship of L.A. and its own people uh, kind of, well, screwing them over. Uh, in order to mm-hmm. create this enormous amount of wealth, well, not just this enormous amount of wealth, but it's also this this, this insane ego and, and self image that people have too. Oh, That's very much part of the LA condition, as well. They're not cool and they're not humble folk like us here in Fresno, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because yeah. I don't know, we don't want to say like you know what uh, F bangs his, his. I don't want to. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. That's that's a huge reveal. I don't want to do. No, that. well, don't. Well, why are you even hinting at it? What are you talking me? about? Okay, I wasn't there. What? Yeah. Well, I think one of the things I like about it too for a period piece is it doesn't take, um, ex- with one exception, it doesn't take great pains <laughs> to to do that thing that unsuccessful period pieces do, which is to say, you know. It's 1934, and now we have this. You know, like, here's okay, the music. You know, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Well, the music is fabulous in it this is. movie. That's oh, like one yeah. of my favorite soundtracks. I, I would say it's, like a, it's, it's very close to, like, um, Taxi Driver. Yeah. That sense of, like, this 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 woven in and out, sort of moving you on. Absolutely lovely, yeah. yeah. So that's fantastic. And yeah. I have to say, the setting is, is beautiful, and, and the, the colors... The, like the costuming must have won an Oscar. I'm not sure if it did, but I would. I wouldn't be, be surprised. I'm, was it Edith Head? God I, I damn! I don't know Edith who it Head. was, but it was somebody who really got the costumes of that time period didn't, there from didn't Southern Gold, California. Didn't Godfather come out the same year and just take them all? Godfather two. Godfather two. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah possibly. But uh-huh. also, it's sort of like um, again these interesting. I mean, L.A. You have to make these these location choices, <coughs> right? And so it's sort of like that part of the story where. Where it's like, um, what do you mean, Orange Groves and, and Northern LA County? You might as well be talking about Cleveland. Like, be more specific. And then <laughs> yeah. there's this great sort of scene where he's trying to track down. You know, mm-hmm. why is this or- like, in an orange grove of all places? Or right. like, you know, the aqueducts. Or you know, it takes advantage of like what you would expect to be a period piece of uh, cinematography <laughs> of, of Los Angeles, but also all these really interesting sort of um, parts that are also Los Angeles. Yeah. No. no. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So this, I well, okay. So so, um, let me ask you this: What did you think was if there was a weak spot in this movie? What did you think it was? There are no weak spots in this movie. Okay, you said that I, like Rain Man. I couldn't I believe how excited you were. Like, there are, that, that's no, this, like there are no weak spots in this movie, and I will have your skin if you disagree. <laughs> this this is this is super out of your nearly skull. perfect, All especially right. when we get to uh, okay. John Houston. I mean, John Houston yep. is kind of a reveal in himself because it sure. takes it takes an hour before we even see the man right. and have his first lines. Beautiful okay. white suit. But but then there are those great lines, the future, Mr. Gitz. Right. The future. You know, I mean, okay. this is pure L.A. Is this you, the you, only... You, you live on this dream of the future. Mm-hmm. He was in the Ten Commandments and a, and, a, mm-hmm. and he was in, um, as an actor, and he was in a, a classically... Um, Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Sierra Madre. Right. I can't think of anything else. So is this the only, like, the oh, third? No, I think he's, I think he's done bit parts in other movies. Okay. I, just, I think... But uh, but but I couldn't tell you how many. Of them. I'll tell you a weak spot, and it's it's huh. a, it's a Tarantino esque weak weak spot. If you're a director, you don't have to put yourself in the film. And Polanski's, I mean, Hello, of course, Kitty it, Cat. Yeah, it's it's a, it's an iconic scene, and what happens what <laughs> what happens in that scene is iconic. But he is. As bad as Tarantino is an actor in his own films. Yeah. He's not good, Paul. Okay. He's oh, not good. I don't don't be know. a fanboy, buddy. Oh, I don't know. See, about I'm gonna that. Say, okay, I'm gonna it say takes this. a lot to say I like Polanski, but uh, there I like Polanski. You were mentioning before we started <laughs> wow. broadcasting that you loved his work outside of rape, film, but I. Uh, <laughs> rape culture. Jeez. We call him Rape Culture Paul over here. Yeah, oh, that's no, right. I, we oh, do not God. call him that. Yeah. No. Yeah, he's tenured anyway. The sensitive, yeah. most sensitive man in the world. Yeah, he is very sensitive. He does not approve of Roman Polanski. 
It's no. Tom. It's Tom who approves of Ron. No, he approves of Tom. That's, that's Fair enough. Shit. All right. Okay, so, so I'm going to say this is going to be a very spot. little bit of controversy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, the weak spot of this movie is Nicholson. Mm. Nicholson. That's I have a, a hard time with his his delivery. He's got some really great dialogue to deliver, and he sounds like he's stoned. It just, it just, he he fucks up his own delivery. His nah, cadence is wrong to me. You're being lazy right now. That's a classic thing to say about about him. And I agree with you if you're talking about The Departed. Mm-hmm. By the time we get to The Departed, yeah, Nicholson just plays Nicholson, Nicholson. and yeah. and it gets. No, I'm old. not even saying no, no. I'm not saying he's guilty of doing the Nicholson playing Nicholson too late. Here. What I'm saying is, is he's got a cadence. He's trying to be. He's trying for detachment in this character, and I see that. But the way he's doing it, he sounds like he's stoned half the time. I don't see it as detachment. His words though. don't come across as. Uh, as they don't come across as snappy and authentic. No, I so see it as some, a guy. There's some very 40s dialogue in here, and he can't pull it off. I, he starts out with the 40s dialogue in the first couple of scenes, and then he pulls he it off loses, once and then loses it very quickly. It's because he's losing his confidence as a as a yeah, detective. That, that's, he's confused. I feel him he's, totally he's no losing longer his Bogart. Confidence. He's yep. Um, he's he never becomes Elliot Gould in what what is it? Well, long goodbye. Oh, the long goodbye. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Very lazy. Kind yeah, of, I mean the difference between his the scene in the barber shop where it's like, look, buddy, you know, I make a living. I I don't throw folks out of their home like that. That's a very Bogart sort of barber Got chair yeah. thing, right? But and later on, I think he does become vulnerable, and his vo- he uses his voice kind of in a, in a lilting manner as it goes along. And it's, I think it's takes great. me out. Of, it takes me out of out of the movie sometimes. I have to no. be honest. Yeah. That's, not the big bandage on his nose half the movie that no I got, that was that I thought that was fascinating yeah. like, that's a good vulnerability right yeah. there like what ah, a, but just, I, just, I was feel, I'm so busy feeling terrible for him what a weird yeah. thing to say Tom and I never mm-hmm. disagree with you but I'm gonna go ahead and disagree with you here what a, what a weird thing to say I think yeah, Tom is we, wrong. weird way to be right the movie is Jack Nicholson yeah I know isn't that strange <laughs> Yeah, he can't, he can't hold his own versus with and also that, way. Who knew that was possible? Also, that it was in, in Los Angeles. Keep going, Tommy, with uh, bad observations. Mm, I, I guess I, too, it must hurt to feel wrong, Joe. If if you need a I weakness, if you need a weakness in the movie, I, I think oh, yeah, it, it, there's a an, uh, a kind of anachronism uh, when I watch it, and that is uh, our our buddy Higgins. Um, oh yeah, Higgins, like, <laughs> Higgins John Hillerman. Yeah, Who's so the I same expect year to see Doberman's coming. A little, hard to, watch, a little hard to watch without without Tom without what's his name hanging Tom out there. This was I was going to say Tom Sawyer for a second there. <laughs> this was that is Tom Sawyer. got high on you. Oh shit! Um, this was Hillerman the same year he did uh, Paper Moon. <laughs> oh okay. He well. was the sheriff in Paper Moon at the end. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, he actually. I mean, the thing is, but before Magnum B.I., his whole character was of menace. He was the supporting mm. actor who was a menacing character. So right. I don't have any problem. That became of, like Tiny Mr. Belvedere. So we're the Finley's. Strikes on yeah. the China. Okay. Never I knew you were going to that before. song. All right. So I give it a thumbs up. Tommy hates it. Well, and Paul no. and I love it. You're a duck ass. A, did you say <laughs> duck, duck ass? You're a duck's ass, my friend. No, <laughs> it's fucking. It's a great movie. It's really fabulous. Except for uh, Jack Nicholson. It takes me out of it every once in a while in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. That might be your Fair narcolepsy. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Paul, do you have anything your narcolepsy. you'd like to uh, plug? Paul? Do I have anything I'd like to plug? We didn't ask besides, it beforehand, but... Besides Joe's mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> with my <laughs> With your fist. What's happening over here? Oh, yeah. Look, you mug. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to channel Roman Polanski. And, uh-huh. you know, look, look, kitty cat. Ouch. Look, kitty cat. You know what happens to nosy people? Mm. Um, I have nothing to plug, except, uh, you know, take a take a U.S. history class, a California history class. Just take uh, one. Yeah, take one. That's a great plug. Me. Sure. Yeah, like we'll it. tell you the story, the real story of Chinatown, which is actually... Even more disturbing and upsetting than the movie. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Tommy, anything to plug? Uh, yeah, just catch me on uh, TomSmithComedy.com. 
please. Okay. Yeah. Well, you can rate and review us on iTunes. We'd love it if you sent us a letter, especially one that's critical of Tommy at finleysonfilm at gmail.com. It's, it's Tom. If you like what we do here on the free it's side, Joey. don't be afraid to become a Patreon subscriber at the $5 or Ooh, more per true. month level. That will give you access to two additional episodes per month, plus access to the archives. I think that's it, gentlemen. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Cheers.